What is up, Fat Guy Forum listeners? This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get into this week's episode. A couple things. First, I am very excited that this week, two new things are happening. One, this episode features the updated Fat Guy Forum, Fat Guy 5 questions. Two, if you are a member of the Patreon, the after show starts now. So this week, going forward, will be the brand new Fat Guy Forum after show exclusive to Patreons. So if you are not signed up, Check out the link in the the notes of this episode. Get yourself signed up so you can get access to that extra content involving this show. I'm excited to finally getting it launched and in your hands. So let's move forward with that. That'll be exciting. And if you're not into Patreon and you still want to support the show, don't forget we have the affiliate links in the show notes for Redmond and Kettle and Fire Broths. If you use either of those codes, that helps support us keeping the show on the air as well. So that's all, my friends. Let's get into it. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am happy to be talking with you once again. I have a a new guest to the show this week. I'm excited for you to get to know him, and I'm excited to hear his story. I just connected with him on Instagram, so I feel like this will be one where we're all learning together about today's guest. His name is Sean McClure. Sean, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, I'm glad you're here, man. Let's, Let's... not get let's i don't know what's going on with my words right now let's get to it (laughs) tell us man what qualifies you to be on the fat guy forum well i mean you know bullet point would be i uh at one point was over 400 pounds and right now i'm weighing in about 200 um it was it was definitely a process though you know i uh got a gastric bypass like a full ruin Y bypass back in 2009, November of 2009. And uh, <clears throat> I went from, I think I was about 380 at the time of the surgery. So I went from about 380 down to 227 in like six months. And basically it was barely barely eaten and riding a bike as much as I could. Um, but then I, 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 I gained quite a bit of it back and yo-yoed a bit. Um, until about 2017, end of 2017 is when I really started to get serious about fitness and uh, get back into the gym and start some heavy weightlifting. And within the last last about a year or so, it's really kind of all started to pay off. And and uh, it, I mean, total you know like body composition changes and it's pretty crazy. Well, there's there's a lot for us to talk about there, but there's also you don't just wake up at 400 pounds. You know, that, that just, you know, you don't just wake up one morning and say, okay, today I'm going to be 400 pounds. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a journey that brings you there. Like when, when did weight issues really start for you? Um, sophomore year in high school, I, I was an athlete all through junior high and my freshman year, um, had some stuff going on at home that, you know, I, I, I got depressed, um, got out but kept eating like I was in sports um, and started smoking weed pretty much every day. And, uh, you know, just a pound here, pound there. And uh, what I remember is the beginning of my junior year, um, first day in school, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of the people for the, the, the summer break. And one of the guys who had been up until you know that point pretty much had been a good friend of mine we played football together and everything and i came walking in the hall before first period and he goes jesus man how fat did you get you know and of course the whole the whole hallway laughs and and you know as 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 a fat guy you kind of develop that sense of humor as an armor um you know and I, I i laughed it off and it was what it was but i mean six months later i was i, I dropped out of school mm. So having that happen, you, were you conscious of your weight? Was it something, you know, because you talked about, you know, depression, like, was it just that was what your life was then? Like, or were you, were you trying to lose weight? Like, where, where were you at with all of that? No, I honestly, I wasn't even really paying attention to it. I mean, I'm sure looking back, like, I'm sure my clothes got bigger and, uh, you know, size changed, but also being a teenager, you know, maybe my folks just chalked it up to normal growing. Um, and, and they, they never really said anything to me either at the time. Uh, 
and that that kind of continued until uh, about 20 years old when I was in Israel and ended up uh, getting drafted into the Israeli army. Um, they basically gave me uh, about a year to learn Hebrew and get in shape. So I did that, lost a bunch of weight, um, went through boot camp, came out of boot camp, man, like 220 pounds, rock solid. And, uh, and that, that only lasted for a short while too. Cause you know, when you, you get out of boot camp, you get out of that constant exercise every day. Yeah. Um, I had a, I had a guest on recently who talked about that. He had visions, you know, coming out of, out of training, like this is what it was going to be like all the time. Once he was in the military, you know, he was U S military, but still you have that sense of if this is how we're training right now, you know, this is something that, you know, we're going to keep at. And the reality of military life is a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. I mean, once you really get into your, your duty station or your job or whatever you're doing, it becomes pretty monotonous, you know? Um, and, and Israel is also a little bit different in that they don't leave their own borders. So, you know, the most you'll ever spend is two or three months on base and then you go home. Um, and, and the higher in rank you get and the easier job you get, you know, you go home more often. So, you know, it was, it was to the point at the end of my service, I actually had a, a, a position. I was a staff sergeant in a military boarding high school in Tel Aviv. And I mean, I was going home every day. It was, it was pretty much a seven to four kind of job. Um, you know, and it's, and, and the, the military food isn't healthy, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can, you, you, you can get, you can gain a lot of weight eating that stuff. And especially, I mean, there's really no limit to it, you know, in some of these chows, you just, you go in there when you're hungry and you eat, you can go back and get second and thirds and nobody says anything. Um, and also because I have no immediate family living in Israel, I was allowed to leave the country and come back to the U.S. for four weeks a year to visit my family. And every time I did that, I remember when I'd get back to Israel, I'd have to go get new uniforms because four weeks here would just pack weight. And when do you think, you know, you, you talked about kind of like having issues in your life and depression kind of triggering your weight gain. Do yeah. you think then it just started to become habit? You know, you're in terms of like your relationship with food and the choices you were making, like. Oh, absolutely. I mean, at that point, it was just, yeah, like you said, I mean, it had it, it become habit. You know, I mean, I was if, if I was hungry, I was eat, I would eat. I didn't necessarily binge a lot, you know, um, but I mean, I would just eat constantly. You know, if I was bored, I would eat. If I was sad, I was, I would, you know, if I was hungry, I would eat. It was just. Whatever, whatever the excuse was, I would use it to eat. Mm. And you, you said when you, you kind of hit a hit a point where you left the military. Do you remember where your weight was then? Oh, man. So, yeah, I got back here in January of 2000. Um, I, I was back in Arizona three days after I got out of the Israeli army. So it was a pretty, pretty abrupt transition back to home. Um, and I was, I was probably... 250 260 pounds i mean it wasn't considering where i'd been like it wasn't horrible but it was also it was also out of shape you know what i mean it was like because like when i came out of boot camp i was 220 pounds so you're, you're only talking a difference of 40 pounds or so but i was in shape you know when i got out of the military i wasn't in any kind of shape at all i was just it was just fat and where did things go for you from there so got back from the military um, <clears throat> had some PTSD issues that went undiagnosed for a few years. Um, and I got, I got really big into drinking and drugs, uh, and just, and kind of hating myself, man. And it was, a uh, a, a downward spiral of the, the bigger I'd get, the more I'd hate myself and the more I'd be disgusted with myself. And, and the more I hated and was disgusted with myself, the more I'd eat, you know? Well, it's a vicious cycle. Cause no, no, oh, yeah. part, no part of it leads, leads you out of it. You know, it's just going around, literally going around in a circle. Yeah. And it was, and you know, and I mean, I, I, there was ex-girlfriends that were with me and saw me get bigger, you know, and none of them really said anything. I mean, I had a couple, <clears throat> maybe once or twice, just, I mean, mentioned that they were worried about my health. Um, and, you know, and, and part of the thing, you know, I'd also go to doctors and, uh, 
they and doctors would actually be surprised because my tests would come back fairly normal and, and and decently healthy especially considering the shape that i was in so i always just kind of figured oh well, you know like if my body's not shutting down like it can't be that bad uh, and there was also a uh, a back injury in the military um which got me started on pain pills and that ended up being an 18 year addiction um <clears throat> but one of the things about it you know an opiate addiction is i mean they don't just numb physical pain they numb everything you know so it's it's all the the, the anger and hatred at yourself you know it, it it's not enough to motivate you to make a change because you're just so high on these pills that it's just you know it is what it is and that's it no i think it's and, it, and it's something that i think a lot of people who deal with a similar issue, you know, go through that and go through the, see that impact other areas of their life, like their relationship with food and their weight and health overall. Um, for you, you know, getting to 400 pounds, like when had, had you been trying to lose weight or was it something where it was just like you had, you had a progression to that point and realized you had, you had to make a change. Like what, no. what took I us to there? I went up and down so bad. I was actually just listening to uh, your other podcast with Shiloh, and he mentioned, you know, at one point he had all these different size pants in his closet, uh, and I it, it it triggered a memory in me. So I actually uh, a house that I had for like 15 years in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, I wrote on my shelves in my closet because I had pants ranging anywhere from 46 up to 58. And I would yo-yo so much that I quit. I quit throwing away my fat clothes every time I lost weight, because I'd end up having to go buy them. So I would just, you know, if the pants got loose, I'd grab the next size down on the shelf, and that was kind of, that was that was kind of how I kept progress. But it was, yeah, it was it was pretty drastically up and down. You know, I'd, I'd get up to 300, 350, and get upset and diet and do a little exercise and lose 20, 30 pounds and keep it off for a month or two. And then, you know, balloon back up to 317. <clears throat> so yeah, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't a very linear uh, gain at all. It, yeah. was, it was up and down. And I, I think that roller coaster is something that a lot of people listening can relate to. Like, what do you think kept you on that roller coaster? Like, what do you think kept you in that place of losing it and putting it back on and losing it and putting it back on? Was it related to the addiction? You know, was would, it, you know, or go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I mean the, the addiction definitely played a big part in it. Um, you know, but I would every once in a while I'd get motivated and hate the way I looked and try and do something about it. And the changes would never come quick enough and I'd get discouraged and I'd get depressed. And instead of making, you know, actual long-term sustainable, healthy lifestyle choices, I would try crash dieting or, you know, some, some quick and easy <clears throat> scheme that would knock off a few pounds to begin with, but it wasn't sustainable. Uh, and, you know, I never, I never gave myself the proper chance to actually see results that would motivate me. Mm. Well, I think that makes sense, man. And what, eventually you hit a point where you decided that the ruin why the gastric bypass was an option. Like, how did that come into the picture? Like, when did you start thinking about that? That was, that was actually my dad. He, uh, he looked at me one day and he said, Hey, I'm doing estate planning. Uh, are you planning on dying before me or after me? And I said, well, boss, after you, I mean, that's kind of the, kind of the way life is supposed to go. And he just looked me up and down and he says, not like that. You're not. And, uh, yeah, I mean that was it was it was a gut check, man. But it was definitely one that I needed. Um, and so he told me because at the time, you know, back in two thousand nine, like to get the gastric bypass, you were looking at about a six month wait, where you had to try other diet and exercise plans, and you had to go see psychologists, and you had to jump through all these hoops before insurance or anybody would cover it. Um, so my dad actually told me he goes, "If you want to do this, you book it now." And I'll pay for it. I'll pay for the whole thing. And so he paid, I don't even know, 40, 50 grand out of pocket. Uh, but from the from the day he asked me that to the day that I had the surgery was about five and a half weeks. Wow. You're, especially that 
amount of time ago, you know, looking at 2009, that is a, that's a fast, you know, fast track to it. Like, do you feel like, do you think it came up too fast? Was that a part of, of, of what played into your, your general failure with it? Or, or what do you think? What's that? What came up too fast? That the, the surgery, like in terms of getting yourself ready to have it. No, you know, I mean, it, it, it kind of, you know, it depends because obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, And like knowing what I know now about fitness and nutrition, I mean, I could have done this without the gastric bypass. But that's very easy to say as a 200-pound guy that goes to the gym six days a week. <laughs> the 400-pound the, the guy that hadn't seen the inside of a gym in a year wasn't going to do that. Um, so I think that drastic of a step was necessary. Um yeah, I, I I probably didn't take enough time after the surgery to to make again sustainable life choices that kept the weight off. Um, I was I was actually in culinary school at the time that I got the surgery. I, I went to uh, Le Cordon Bleu in Scottsdale um, and got my hospitality and restaurant management bachelor's degree <clears throat> because a friend and I were actually going to open up a restaurant. Uh, while I was in school for three, three and a half years, whatever, he ended up having some issues in his own life and we kind of drifted apart. So uh, at the end of my schooling, in order to finish my degree, I had to get a an internship in the food industry, in the restaurant industry. Uh, and at this time in Arizona, it was when they just plat, uh, passed a, a fairly controversial law back in 2009, 2010. Um, but it was, it was deemed an anti-immigrant or anti-Hispanic law. And so everybody boycotted Arizona. So all all the hotels and all the fancy restaurants and everything were laying people off. They weren't hiring anybody. Um, so I ended up getting a job as an assistant manager at a subway and I ended up working at subway for three and a half years. And that is the absolute worst job you can have if you're trying to keep weight off. Because um, there was either, you know, so in the, the, the store that I was in, I mean, we were one of the top five stores in the state. We were right next to a high school and ASU. We were 24 hours. We did delivery. So, I mean, it was a, it was a fairly high stress environment. So you would go from, you know, just these periods of sheer intense panic and busyness to just extended periods of boredom with nothing to do but clean and eat, you know, and the, the trays of cookies are right there in front of you. And, you know, whenever somebody bakes cookies, there's always one or two broken ones. Well, you can't sell those. So those just go sit in the counter somewhere in the back. And after a day, you end up with a pile of cookies. And every time you walk by, you eat a cookie, you know, and it's just slowly, slowly, piece by piece. Um, so yeah, after three and a half, four years after the surgery, I was, I was back up to 300. Which is not something people talk about a lot, you know, even when, you know, I've had people on the show who have had success with surgery and people on the show who have not, you know, didn't do what they needed to do and didn't have success. Like, I I think a, a thing you talked about that idea of utilizing surgery as a tool to enable you to build those healthy, sustainable habits is like the ideal situation. But when you don't go through that process, you're, you're kind of back at that place where you can eat food and you haven't really made the changes you need to make. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then <clears throat> you, uh, you know, you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard like you can stretch your stomach back out. And, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard of some people that had some fairly complications, you know, luckily I never had anything major happen. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it's the, the, the surgery isn't a magic bullet, you know, in the beginning, because your stomach's so small and like you can only eat certain amounts. So even if you do eat not necessarily healthy foods, like you're still going to lose weight just because your caloric deficit is, is pretty, pretty drastic. Um, but once you're, yeah, three or four years in, you've stretched your stomach back out, you know, you're still eating the same crap you ate before, you'll get right back to how big you were. And, and how did that play out in your mind? Like, how did it feel to, like, know that you made that decision, you had the surgery, and then you saw weight coming back on? Was it something you were 
you know, kind of directly confronting for yourself every day or was it more just like you, it was happening. So you weren't, I don't know if I'm phrasing that right, but just wondering kind of like where your, where your head was at knowing that you would, knowing that you had taken that, that step that is, is drastic. You know, it's fantastic, a fantastic tool for people, but it's a drastic step. And then to see weight coming back on and see your weight get over 300 pounds again. It, you know, it just, it kind of triggered that old cycle of depression and hating yourself, you know? And it's, it's like, you're like, Jesus, I did, I even, I even did this drastic thing and I still can't keep the weight off, you know, like I'm no good. I'm a piece of shit, whatever. And you just, you eat your problems away. So what, from being in that place, like how, how did you get yourself out of that place? Like it was, your surgery was in 2009 and you said it was 2017 when you kind of finally came back around to taking care of your health and, and looking at that, like did something happen in 2017 or was it just enough is enough? Like take us into that. I'm pretty sure it was just enough is enough. Um, you know, after, after I left the, the food industry, I got back into construction and the very first job that I was working, our job site was in an entire city block. So, uh, I was walking, Man, I don't even know, 15, 18,000 steps a day. Uh, you know, and it's funny because, again, I heard Shiloh mention the same thing. But, man, and honestly, this is for anybody that's out there that's just trying to lose weight. Get out and walk. I mean, if you can hit 10,000 steps a day, you will see the pounds fall off. And I'm talking no changes to your diet, no nothing. Like, if that's the place to start, go get a Fitbit, go get a step tracker, whatever, and hit 10,000 steps a day. Uh, but that's what I started doing through work and the weight started coming off. And I remember I got down to about 260 um, without any real effort and then just kind of hovered there while I was working in construction. Um, and then I think 2017 was kind of a watershed moment for me, man. I, uh, I, I'd had a house that I owned for 15 years that I just I didn't want to live there anymore. Um, I got sober. I quit the pills. Um, I quit booze. I quit pretty much everything but weed. Um, cause that was a pretty heavy recreational drug use as well. And, uh, I, I changed my phone number. You know, I didn't give anybody my new, I moved into an apartment in Phoenix way away from where I was, you know, not around anybody that I knew. Um, you know, and, 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 because of the pain pills and the addiction, you know, at that point, I realized about 98% of the people that were my friends were only my friends because of the drugs. And once the drugs were out of the picture, I had no connection to these people anymore and didn't even want them in my life. Um, so I really just changed everything. You know, I, I, I took it back to the house and I had the city pull up a four yard front and that thing up. And the only thing I took was uh, my electronics, basically. You know, I, I got rid of all my furniture. I got rid of my bed, everything. I bought all new stuff for my apartment, um, changed my phone number, didn't tell anybody what my new number was. And uh, the apartment complex had a little gym. <clears throat> and so I was, I was doing, I was working out in there. Um, and then I also had a friend tell me about, uh, Tabata, which is like these, the, the hit workouts, the high intensity interval training. Um, and I remember there was this, this one specific video that she showed me that was about four minutes long. And I would do this video in my living room. And I actually started this in the house before I even got to the apartment complex. Um, but I would do this video. And I remember the first time I did it, like I did it one time and I was done. Uh, and I actually got to the point where I could do that video about seven, seven or eight times in a row. Uh, and that was about the time that I got into the apartment complex and then they had the gym. So I started going to the gym. Uh, and then about four or five months, no, not even that long, probably about two months after I moved in the apartment, I got a, a gym membership at an anytime fitness. And that was really, really what sparked my return to, to, to fitness. And a big part through all of that is, has to be you care, starting to care about yourself, you know, get, getting over some of that, beating yourself up, 
you know, seeing yourself as worthless because, you know, escaping addiction, you know, making those drastic changes in your life that had to be a part of it for you. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and that's, and it's, it, it kind of really jives with where I'm at these days in life. Um, but working on yourself, you know, and really confronting the issues that are underlying, you know, the stuff that happened to me as a kid and shit like that, 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 that's the stuff that you have to work on. And I mean, nobody wants to, cause it's ugly and it's unpleasant. But until you <clears throat> clear out that karma, until you get rid of that trauma, you know, you're just going to keep reliving the same thing over and over. Um, so it was, you know, it was not only a lifestyle change and a physical change, but uh, a very mental and emotional yeah. change. But, and what do you think gave you the strength to start making those changes? You know, I don't know. I, I just I decided to fight one day. I was just tired, you know, I mean, I remember, <clears throat> I mean, there was a, there was a girl I was talking to at the time that, uh, I'd, I'd met through work at construction. She was an office manager for a drug addiction clinic that we were remodeling. And it was pretty ironic because I would sit there all day, you know, cause I was, I was the superintendent for a general contractor at this point. So it was a, a non-working um, I was just on site to make sure everything went good and do paperwork and answer phone calls, basically. Um, but the only, really the only place that I could sit with my laptop and do the stuff that I needed to do and still talk to the workers was up in the reception area where the receptionist and this office manager sat. And uh, kind of under my breath, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd talk shit about these junkies, quote unquote, coming in and out all day. And after two or three months, you know, she, she kind of turned to me one day and she goes, Hey, so, uh, you know, I noticed you, you keep taking a little bottle out of your pocket there <clears throat> and, uh, you know, hitting, hitting that all day. What is it? And that's, I told her about the pain pills and stuff. And she's like, so, you know, like most of these people that are coming through here, like that's how they started. Um, and, and through her and I talking, she, she was really the one that, that got me to see the wisdom and sobering up. Um, and once, once I got sober, everything else was a lot clearer. You know, once I got sober and that's when I looked at my life and got rid of the friends and Chen, you know, once that fog was lifted, I really saw how far I'd fallen and, and had the motivation to improve. Which, which I think makes sense. Like having that clarity is, is a big part of being able to make that change. Yeah. And, and yeah. get, you know, so it's, it sounds like in some ways like that there was some serendipity to work putting you in that position. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> I mean, like look, looking back there, there are no coincidences, you know, I mean, there's, there, there's a reason I was stuck in that place for sure. Mm -hmm. And so apartment, apartment gym, and then getting a, a, a gym membership yourself. I know one of the things that you shared with me in kind of your pre-interview was also learning more about nutrition. And so when did kind of changing how you were eating start to come into the picture for you? Um, I also about 2017, I actually went pretty strict keto for about two and a half years. Um, and that, that dropped a bunch of weight off. Um, I don't do it anymore because I've found that like once, once I got into kind of heavy lifting and almost uh, bodybuilding competition style training, it was very hard to pack on muscle with just a keto diet. Um, but for the first two or three years, it, it, it enabled me to lose a bunch of weight. And what, what were the, the most significant things like you were learning about your own eating habits during that time? Well, you know, the first thing I learned starting keto is, and I've, I've kicked a lot of drugs. Sugar is probably the worst withdrawal I've ever gone through. I, I was sick for, <clears throat> I mean that, you know, that keto flu, that good solid three or four days, but I was just miserable. I mean, I had aches and pains worse than off of opiates. Um, you know, and it was, it was really telling to me because it's like, man, like, 
you know, so quitting pain pills is one of the hardest things. And the sugar is worse like that. It just, it kind of tells me what my body was addicted to, you know? And so, I mean, the, the high sugar, um, you know, the, 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 cause it wasn't just kind of a no carbs. I, I would still eat carbs, but all my carbs would come from veggies. So having to plan my meals out, you know, having to bring lunch to work and so, I mean, yeah, so having to plan my meals out and bring lunch to work and, and think about what I was going to have for breakfast, um, you know, and, and shopping because until I went keto, I didn't even pay attention to what was on the labels and stuff. You know, I, I never looked at calories. I never looked at fat content or carbs or any of that. So, um, that taught me to really pay attention to what was in the food that I was eating. Um, and then the planning out of the meals and actually having to cook my own food meant that I was, I mean, I was already eating exponentially healthier just in that. I mean, it wasn't necessarily that I was eating healthy foods, but anything you cook at home is going to be way healthier than anything you can get in a fast food restaurant. Oh yeah. And especially if you're, you're cooking at home and it's not just popping something out of a box and heating it up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no microwave foods. <laughs> and I, I think you hit on something like there because I think it's something, a, a common thread to the, I've had several guests on the show and just people I've connected with, you know, that have dealt with other addictions besides dealing with food issues and coming to that place of, of seeing like, cause pills you don't need every day to live, you know, not, you know, unless it's a medication that you need every day to live. Uh, but, but pills and alcohol aren't things that you have to have every day to live, but food is. Exactly. You know, there's no way to say, I'm, I'm just going to give up food for two years and, and clean my system out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, th- I think some people, you know, some of us would probably be like, oh, that would really be great if I could, if I could just do that, you know, and there's, there's, there's some outliers out there, you know, there's stories of people that did that, but I don't think the average person is looking to fast for a year. Um, no, no. So, you know, it, it's funny. So the, uh, the, the pre-surgery diet that I had to do, um, for two weeks was three 32 ounce protein shakes with skim milk a day and all the sugar-free jello and popsicles you could eat. And so I did that religiously for the surgery and the morning of the surgery, I went in and I was 20 pounds lighter than the last time the doctor weighed me. And he goes, damn, what have you been doing? And I said, I was doing the diet you guys told me to do. And he says, oh. he goes, yeah, nobody ever does that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was that was honestly the first time in my life it was like oh wow you know like okay like you can do it it's not sustainable but you can do it oh for for there and there are people that do it and sustain it for a while and you know and then eventually realize you have to you know all even liquid diets eventually you're reintroducing actual food and yeah. you know that's a big challenge for most people because even when the the shakes take away that decision fatigue of having to plan out food, you you can't stay you can't stay there forever. You know that, that's not something you can do forever. And you know I, I think it's interesting you know to get into too. Like you said, you know you used the the lessons that came from from using keto for a while. I, I think are ones that almost anyone could benefit from, whether they're trying to cut their carbs or not. Like one, I think every person out there listening, like if most of the food you're eating is coming from drive-throughs or from delivery. If you were to just start cooking food at home, you know, and not, like you said, microwaving things, you would see a drastic change. You know, you learn a lot about what goes into the food that you're eating out. You know, what, you know, it's, it, it can be really eye-opening once you start learning to, to read labels. Like I even, even people I work with on helping them with keto, I'm like, the first thing you need to do is really learn how to, to identify what those things are on the labels. And it doesn't mean eliminating all ingredients. But I feel like it's good to know what you're putting into your body. You know, it's, it's good to know what you're eating. It's good to know how it's made up. And getting comfortable doing that can be a big step. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, another, another big thing for me was also the MyFitnessPal tracking app. You know, I, I know that's one of the more popular ones out there. Um, but being able to see my macros on there, you know, especially doing keto, 
uh, was was a huge help because you know so I remember when I, when I first started keto for the first like three weeks I wasn't losing any weight I couldn't figure out why well I was eating these you know because of the gastric bypass I have a pretty heavy uh, vitamin and supplement regimen and I was eating these gummy vitamins every morning. Well, I don't know if you've seen gummy vitamins, but they're all coated in fucking sugar. <laughs> so I didn't even I didn't even pay attention to it. You know, I was I was tracking my food religiously, and then one day I kind of got a, a a hair up my ass and went and checked my gummy vitamins, and those things were like you know thirteen grams of carb per serving, and I'm eating I'm eating double servings because you know what a result of the gastric bypass is your body doesn't absorb like it's supposed to. No, so. it's, it's it's wild when you actually start to look at, you know, dive into things like I, I, I have a, a, you know, an anecdote from a client a couple of weeks ago was just having this like horrible end to a week. And I'm like, you know, what's you know, you're sending me your your screenshots of your tracking. Like, I'm not seeing anything like, you know, what's every what's going on with you right now? He's like, well, you know, I, I've had a cold for the past five days and I've been taking NyQuil and DayQuil. And I'm like, the syrup or the pills? And they're, they're like the syrup. And I said, okay, so I need you to Google what's in NyQuil and DayQuil. And like 10 minutes later, he's like, oh my God. He's like, it's it's got more sugar than pancake syrup. I'm like, yep. Uh, yep. Most cold medicine does. Like that's definitely, you know, something that, you know, we don't, and we don't even think about that. You know, do you think about the fact that there's, you know, 20 plus grams of carbs per little cup of, of NyQuil and you're taking that you know, six, seven times a day. It's like, okay. So I've been taking in, you know, roughly 150 extra grams of, of carbs that I wasn't even thinking about. Yeah. And it's just straight sugar too. So, oh yeah. Like <laughs> it's wild. And that's when you start to say, okay, well, just so you know, there's, there's cold medicines that are meant for diabetics. Like see if you can find something like that, you know, that's not going to have, you know, it's, it's going to have some, obviously not some great things in it, but it's, it's not going to have the same sugar bomb that you're dealing with, with, some of these other things like it's it's wild when you start to realize that like gummy vitamins like all of the if something tastes good quote-unquote good there's a good chance there's a reason that it tastes that way you know it's not it's not magic well i'll tell you i'll tell you what i learned in culinary school there's only three things that make something taste very good and that is a lot of sugar a lot of fat or a lot of salt and none of those, none of those are good for you in excess <laughs> oh yeah and that, I mean, that's, a, that's a, salt's the other side of that. You know, yes, when a person goes keto and they're cooking all their food at home, they usually have to add, start adding more salt to their food because they don't realize how much salt they were taking in before, you know, especially when you're eating mostly takeout food. Like restaurants know what they're doing, you know, when they, they want to make their food taste good. Well, for sure. So I, I, I think it's a, there's some interesting things there too with like shifting your nutrition because of different goals, different physical goals. You know, and I think getting to that place is, is something that can be really powerful as well. What was it like for you, like realizing, okay, keto got me to here, but I have these goals that I want to hit, you know, these, these changes I want to make. So I need to adjust my nutrition. Like, what was it like going through that? Well, so I was, I was pretty strict keto until, you know, about end of 2019, I want to say, um, met the woman who is now my ex-wife and i ended up moving in with her um in her apartment which was in a different part of town so i changed gym locations because it was one of the big box gyms with multiple locations uh and then COVID happened and arizona was not very strict thank God, when it came to the COVID stuff. But one of the first things that happened was the big major corporation gyms all shut down. Um, and then Arizona did get a little more strict and they shut down pretty much all the gyms. And there was a, a buddy of mine who was ex-Marine, big power lifter. Um, and I saw him post on his, his Facebook or Instagram one day about working out in the gym. And I was like, man, where are you working out at? Like, I thought every place was closed. And so he told me about this little hole-in-the-wall gym in Tempe. Um, so I went and signed up there. Well, the owner is a, a <clears throat> vegan bodybuilder um, who's just in incredible, incredible shape. And uh, so I got to talking to him, and I remember he, you know, he was asking what my goals were, and I'm like, you know, to, you know, keep the weight off and, and get in better shape, and 
and uh, after two or three months of just kind of talking here and there, you know, we became friends, and he really kind of started in on the whole diet thing, and and uh, he told me that you know carbs aren't necessarily bad for you; they're not unhealthy. Um, your body uses them as energy. You know, that's why, like, most, most guys, they'll, they'll do carbs before a workout and protein afterwards to help the muscles repair. Um, but so he explained basically the, the science behind what you eat and when you eat it um, for your optimal workouts. And so I, I kind of took that to heart, and I started adding <clears throat> carbs back into my diet and I definitely saw a change. You know, it, it was it was a lot easier for me to to lift heavy and put on muscle once I was eating more of a balanced diet as opposed to the keto. Which it's great that you were open to finding using the tools that you needed when you needed them. Yeah. You know, instead of just saying, Okay, well then this didn't work, so I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna try something else completely. Like allowing it to evolve with purpose, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, you, you definitely have to keep an open mind. Um, I think one of, one of the things that really hindered me in the beginning was I would run into a dead end and just kind of throw my hands up in the air and, oh, well, I guess I'm going to be fat, you know, as opposed to looking for a workaround or an alternative or some way to tweak it. So it's still effective. No, that, I think that's really, that's an important lesson that I think every person not just people that want to eventually build muscle or, you know, get into a certain physique range or anything along those lines. You need to realize that there are going to be times where what you're doing isn't the right thing for you to be doing anymore. And it, and it doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. And it doesn't mean even what you were doing failed. It just means that it's not what you need right now. So keep looking to find what you need right now. Like being in that place of not giving up is so powerful. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, and, and your goals are going to change over time. I mean, the goals that I have right now for what I'm doing in the gym are way different than what I had five years ago. Um, so yeah, yeah. You know, I definitely think that you need to keep that in mind as well. Um, and what are the goals you have right now? Like what are the things that you're working on? Uh, you know, obviously, I mean, the, the, the main one is always keeping the weight off. Um, but I, I like being fit, man. I mean, I, I, I like walking into a room and people just automatically know, wow, that guy works out. You know, it's, it's, it's a good feeling. And even, even my girlfriend, like she'll catch me like looking at myself in a window, uh, you know, in my reflection. Cause I, you know, the, the, the brain's a funny thing, man. And, and, you know, there's, there's times I look at myself and I still see that 400 pound guy, you know? Sometimes I'll catch a glimpse of myself in a mirror or a window, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's right. That's right. This is what we look like now. Um, so, the, I mean, the goals are just to keep, keep getting uh, in better shape. Uh, and, and that's also, you know, not just for the way I look, but it, it's, I mean, I, I have a bad knees and bad back from the military and, <clears throat> working construction and and being so heavy for so long i mean that definitely left lasting effects on my on my skeletal frame um so i i feel better when i'm stronger um you know for a long time i didn't work out my legs just because you know i used my bad knees as an excuse uh, but i started that about six eight months ago and i i already noticed a huge improvement um you know, I'm, I'm actually living in North Dakota now, working in the oil fields, uh, and we're on our feet sometimes, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. And I don't even know if a year ago that was something I would have been capable of. Mm. Which is incredible to think about how long your life had been the way that it was, and the changes that you've made, you know, just even going back five years. Like, yeah. It's, it's significant, and it also hasn't been another 20 years like it makes sense that there there's still that focus there on i've made these changes i need to make these changes as lasting pieces of my life and things that i can sustain going forward in line with these things that i want to be able to do yeah yeah you know and i 
I would have to say probably the the most important thing that I've learned when it comes to any weight loss journey is you know consistency. And so you you got to keep showing up, you know. And I mean, there's there's days I don't want to go to the gym, you know. I mean, it's 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 negative four sometimes here in the morning. Like I don't want to get up at three thirty and go to the gym, but I do. You know, and and consistency plus time will equal results every time. And I think that's important for for people to hear too. That because you know I'm an early gym guy too. Like for me, it's got to be early in the morning, or I know that I'm not going to go later in the day. Like I I know how I operate. And when people see me saying I'm going to the gym at four or four thirty, they're like, oh, I just don't know if I could do. I, you know, how do you how do you have the motivation to do that all the time? Like how do you do that regularly? And it's like, well. Not every day do you want to do it, but I know I have to do it, and I know that it's important, and those things that I want to be able to do outside of the gym require me to do that. So, yes, are there mornings where I, you know, I, I pull into the gym parking lot at 4 o'clock, and I'm like, I don't even want to, you know, get out of my car and walk across the parking lot. Like, I'm not sure this is what I want to do right now, but that power of consistency is something you can't deny. So when you get past yourself, when you get, you know, literally get past yourself, all those voices that are telling you that you don't need to do it, that it's not important. And you're like, no, I, I commit to doing this. That's when you can start to see those results. You know, that's when you start to see that things, you know, take more action. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I remember that that little powerlifting gym I was working out at in Tempe during COVID. Uh, I was talking to the owner in there one day and He's like, how you doing today, man? I said, ah, honestly, dude, like, I'm just not feeling it today. Like, I'm here. I'm just kind of half-assed going through the motions. You know, like, everything's 10, 15, 20 pounds lighter than what I normally do. But I'm just, like, I'm here. I'm going to get my sets in, you know, and I'm going to call it a day. And, uh, <laughs> and he looked at me, and he goes, hey, he goes, look, even a bad workout is better than a good afternoon on the couch. And it's, it's you know, that, that put it in perspective, like, not – not every day in the gym has to be a stellar 10 out of 10, got the best pump of your life. You know, it's, it's, it's the fact that you show up and do it, especially in the days that you're not feeling it, that will make the changes. And I think the cliche is, you know, you never regret the workout that you do. You know, you regret the workouts that you don't do. You never regret the workouts that you do do. And yes, overall, I think that's true. But there are still some days that you finish a workout and you're like, you know what? I, I still miss you know, sleeping in today, you know, I did it, I got it done, but sleeping in would have been good too. Like it, not everything has to feel magical and amazing. You know, it's, it's knowing that there's bigger purpose and bigger reason to what you're doing than just how you're feeling in that moment and allowing yourself to realize that feelings change. And when it comes to your next workout, you might be a hundred percent pumped and excited and do fantastic. And that's all going to be great. But Doing something trumps doing nothing all of the time. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 having a little bit of flexibility too isn't a bad thing. Because I mean, there 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 have been days where I got up at three thirty and was like, you know what, not happening, and just hit snooze and went back to sleep. But that means that hey, instead of Sunday being your rest day, Wednesday is now your rest day, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? You know, and you 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 move things around and you adjust, and it's like. You know, if you if you set a goal to yourself, hey, I'm going to go to the gym four times a week or five times a week, and you got to go four or five times a week every week. Now, it doesn't always have to be the same days and the same workouts or whatever, but you got to hit that number. Exactly. It's that consistency of habit. You know, it's, it's that saying, making that commitment to yourself and sticking to it. And it's not always easy when a person gets started, but it, when it becomes a part of your routine... It, it becomes just that. It becomes routine. Oh, yeah. You know, in a great way. When it becomes routine and, and you know, you got to, like I've seen this on Facebook or Insta or whatever, but, you know, you got to, you can't commit to something for a month. Like, you got to commit to something for six months or a year. You got to commit to something long enough to see tangible results that will motivate you. You know, and, and, and like, I, I feel blessed that I'm at the point now where I can look at myself and see the results. And it's like, yeah, this is what keeps me going, you know. But I remember a month in, three months in, a year in, you know, in, in, in certain aspects thinking, God, this just isn't happening. You know, you got you to gotta give yourself enough time to see tangible results that will motivate you.
That, no, that's really that's really important, and it's important to. I think it's important to give yourself that the the possibility of that, you know, having gone through tr- other attempts and things along those lines, and that came up short. You know, realizing that that doesn't mean that that's the way your life is going to be for for the rest of your life. It's seeing the possibility for change that is often, you know, one of the biggest drivers for change. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's something I've kind of learned recently, you know, when it comes to, <laughs> I guess, manifestation and just kind of the power of your own brain. You know, if you can visualize it, you can happen, you know, and if you, if you visualize these goals and you really stick to them and, and you know, like we keep saying, stay consistent, you will make those goals happen. 100%, man. And Sean, you, you've taken us through this journey that you've been on. Like, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet today that you feel it's important for people listening to know? No, you know, I think that pretty much covers it, man. I would, I would just have to say like, it's, you know, just remember that it's a, it's a process and it's a journey and it's, if you're doing it right, it's really one that doesn't ever end, you know, and you gotta, you gotta make lifestyle changes, not just, eating habit changes or because i mean it could it could be down to the you know the people that you hang out with too you know i mean i've i've had friends that could eat mcdonald's three meals a day six days a week and not put on a pound well that's not me and you know what that means we can't go to mcdonald's every time you want to go to mcdonald's you know so i think self self-awareness uh is is key no, I think you're spot on there, man. And Sean, if people listening to the show want to follow along with what you are doing or connect with you, where do they find you? Uh, Instagram and Facebook, man. And what's your Instagram handle? I think it's uh, S-H-A-W-N-M-C-C-76. So Sean M-C-C-76. And I will obviously make sure to put that in the show notes today. Sean, I just want to say a big thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and, and share your experiences with the listeners. Yeah, thanks for having me, bud. Definitely. So like I said, I'm going to put Sean's information in the show notes. If you want to connect with me, you can always find me on Instagram at Gourmet Goes Keto, on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And for the Patreon listeners out there, Sean's going to be joining me on the after show in just a second. So if you are not a Patreon member, now is the time for you to sign up. Get yourself in on supporting the show, helping keeping the wheels turn but also being able to hear what comes next for, for the, the guests on the show. You know, we're, we're having some good conversations over there and you're missing out. So make sure you check that out, everybody. Then, after you do all that, remember, go out there, my friends. Do something today to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people I know. And then catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.